What do we do now? I already said good morning, didn't I? How's everyone? Good, good. So excited to preach today. Share God's word with you because you know uh, two of my most favorite things about being a pastor are being with people and sharing God's word. And this one sermon today, our topic is on breathing. How many of you like to breathe? Okay. What happens when you stop breathing? You die. And nobody wants anybody to die, especially during this worship service, okay? But think of this. How often in life do you actually take a deep breath? See, in order to take a deep breath, you actually have to pause or stop what you're doing and kind of recenter your mind kind of take a break from whatever it is that maybe is in front of you. And I'm not a doctor, I'm not in the medical field, but I read some stuff online. (laughs) And I read that if you take a deep breath, and those of you in the medical field, you can feel free to correct me if this is wrong, is actually really healthy for you. That it actually can lower your heart rate, that it actually eases the tension in your body and relaxes your muscles. And so as you physically begin to inhale and exhale at a slower pace, your entire being comes back into alignment of what it should be. Doesn't that sound nice? You want to take a deep breath with me? Does that sound good? Think we can do this together? We'll just fill this place with hot air. Are you ready? (laughs) All right, let's do it together. Ready? How you feel? Feel relaxed? You know what's so amazing about being in church or those of you that are watching online is that God actually describes being in church as rest. That you're resting right now. That as we open God's word and as you hear God's word read and, and, and spoken into your life, that God in that moment is actually drawing you closer to himself. That it's his way of wrapping his arms around you and reminding you that you are loved by him. That you've been created by him. That in all the worries and all the struggles of life, that he's never left you, nor is he ever forsaken you. And that he wants to put his presence and his purpose and his peace into your life. Doesn't that sound nice? See, for for the Christian, for those who follow Jesus, for those who go to God's word and learn what it is that God has done for us, we go all the way to the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. And we learn what it is that God actually teaches us about how he is the creator and what the incredible gift is that he's given us. And so it actually says in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes a living being. You and I have been created by God. Just let that soak in for a moment this morning. You know that God also tells us in Psalm 139, these words, 
for you created my inmost being. That God, you're the one that knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you, which is what we have done this morning. We're going to do at the end of the service again. Because I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your eyes, God, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me, all the days that I would live out on this earth, were actually already ordained for me and written in your book before even one of them came to be. God's just not the God of the past. He's not just the God of the present. Man, God is the God of the future. He knows everything about you. Isn't that encouraging? He's the only one that knows when you will actually take your last breath on this earth. You're fearfully and wonderfully created. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Now I'll tell you this. I finish up my slides the Wednesday before the Sunday service, and so all of these slides were, were created and turned in by then, and not knowing what was actually going to happen in our country just this last Friday. And we know as the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and of course, as people immediately went to social media, because somehow we think that that's how we should communicate with one another, instead of face-to-face, in a whole range of opinions and, and just videos and different things began to emerge. And I thought, what an opportunity for us as a church to be reminded of what it is that we believe here at Shepherd's Gate. We believe what God teaches us in this, wor- in this word, that every life is valuable on this earth from conception. And so we fight. We defend and we support the unborn. We love all of life. In fact, part of our vision here, the first part of our vision statement is that we will value everyone. Do you know that we also value women here at Shepherd's Gate? You're laughing at that. Yeah. We value men here at Shepherd's Gate. We value all of life. We value women who have had an abortion. And we come alongside you. And men who maybe you were part of that, and so there was a life that was lost, and we come alongside you as well. And we don't just post things on social media or just talk about it on Sunday mornings, what we do is we actually roll up our sleeves and we go out into our community and we sit with people and we listen with people and we grieve with people and we rejoice with people. And that's why Shepherd's Gate is so heavily involved with Compassion Pregnancy Center in Clinton Township. You know, Compassion Pregnancy Center doesn't just come alongside women who are pregnant. They come alongside women who have had abortions. They come alongside men and they have classes specifically for men whose partners have had abortions. It's a holistic approach. This church is heavily involved in Abigail Ministries in Sterling Heights, who houses pregnant women and singles moms. We're insanely involved in JJ's house down in Detroit that houses, again, 
single moms. And not just even here in our community. We actually are partnered with people all over our globe. An organization called Key of Hope in Durban, South Africa, where the volunteers and the staff that are there pour into the life of men and women and children. Or the Luke 5-2 clinic, which we just highlighted this last Memorial Weekend in Detroit and in Mount Clemens. That's what this church is about, valuing everyone and unconditionally loving every single person. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because this is truly our heart's desire for every single person that God has put breath in their lungs is that one day we can be like Abraham. Where it says this, Abraham did what? Breathed his last, and then what happens? At a good old age, an old man, and full of years. Doesn't that sound nice? Don't you just want to die an old man or an old woman at a good old age, full of years? Isn't that what you want said at your funeral one day? You want your loved ones to get up and say, man, they live life and they live it to the full and they love Jesus and they devoted their life to serving. That's our heart's desire. Again, to value everyone from the moment you're conceived to the moment you take your last breath. And so often we live in a world that kind of teaches us to do the opposite, to run at a pace that isn't actually even sustainable. And this is why it's important to come to church. This is why it's important to be in a small group. It's why it's important to even read scripture and really see what it is that, that we're learning from the patterns that Jesus instilled in the disciples and that the patterns that Jesus even followed in his own life. See, when Jesus called the disciples, man, they got to work. They got busy. I mean, he was sending them out to, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, do all sorts of incredible work, and they would come back and they would report to him. And so often we share those stories, we teach on those stories, and, and we see just the way that God was moving the gospel forward, that he is the one true God, that he came to save the world. And in Mark, there's the apostles are actually, in this moment, they had been out ministering, and they gathered around Jesus, and they're all reporting back. I mean, this is like those of you that go on mission trips, and at night you gather around after you've had dinner, and everyone gets to report on what they saw and what they did and how they saw God at work. Or when we do step out and serve, and people come back, and they talk about their testimonies and the way God was at work. And so that's what they're doing. And it says, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Anybody relate to that? Moms, dads out there with your kids and your kids' schedules? If I saw your Google Calendar, that doesn't even make sense. That you actually literally can't even fit in all the things that you have on your Google Calendar. And then somebody invented apps. And all the sports teams now use sports apps, and so you have all of these different apps to track all of your kids' different sports activities or dance competitions or whatever it is. And then they send you alerts because they don't trust that you're actually going to read the emails they send you because email's like old school now. <laughs> and when you don't answer the apps, they're going to text message you to make sure little Johnny and little Susie are at their basketball or baseball or football or whatever they're doing activities. Didn't even have time to eat. 
But Jesus says to them, come on. Come with me. By yourselves. To a quiet place. Get some rest, guys. You've worked hard. You've done what I've asked you to do. But guess what, 12 disciples? You're also human beings. And I know that because I created you. Oh, and by the way, I'm God in the flesh, so I know what it feels like to be tired. I know what it feels like to be worn out. I understand the human body and how the human body needs rest. Wouldn't it be so cool to have Jesus tell you to go take a nap? Some of you, that might be the only thing that you hear today in this message. Is God saying to you, when you get home today, take a nap. Rest. Get some rest. And not only does he teach the disciples to do this, he does this himself. In Matthew, there's an account where Jesus is actually feeding people. And it says the feeding of the 5,000, but we know women and children were there, so it was well over 20,000 people. And so what does Jesus do when he's done performing this incredible miracle? He makes the disciples get into a boat. So imagine me being forced into a boat. You 12 in this boat now, and he kicks it out into the Sea of Galilee. They didn't know a storm was coming. He was actually kicking them out into a storm. And so he kicks them out into the storm. He dismisses a crowd of 20,000 people. How he did this, he's God, so he can do whatever he wants. He dismisses everybody, and he goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I love this picture. We don't often get to see pictures of Jesus like this, do we? Isn't it nice? Usually it's pictures of Jesus with children. Sometimes there's like a bunny rabbit and a deer in the picture. You know, and <laughs> Jesus just calls the children and the animals to him. Or he's performing miracles or he's, he's just out doing the ministry that, that God was pouring into him. We forget that he actually took time to rest, to be alone. And he didn't go all the way up the mountain. He went to the mountainside, so he just went up a, a few steps to breathe, to allow his Father to pour his love and his grace, his mercy into him. And again, we hear this, and we think, this is great, but this isn't for me. You don't understand, Tim. I'm a type A personality. I don't ever rest. My spouse, they've mastered resting. <laughs> Me, that's just not how I work. That's not how I operate. And so often it's the way in which society teaches us not to rest, but it's also in subtle ways. So let me ask you this. How many of you you've already gone and you've seen the new Top Gun movie? Anybody out there see the new? Look at all. Any of you planning to see the new Top Gun movie? It's a nice movie, was it not? It was nice, there wasn't anything political in it. It was just a movie, outrageous movie, but it was a movie. Hollywood does it again. Do you remember the tagline in the movie? Because this is what I picked up on. This is what I honed in on when I was watching the movie. Does anybody remember the, the tagline throughout the whole movie? There it is, thank you. In the words of Tom Cruise, Don't think, just do. And we go, oh, that's right, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to think. 
We just do. We're not supposed to embrace our humanity. We're robots. We've evolved. It's 2022. Even look at Tom. He's still fit after all these years. <laughs> Instead of playing volleyball, he's playing football now. What a tough guy. And what is he teaching them? Use your instincts. Use your instincts. Use your instincts. And you go to a scripture and you go, wait a second, I just spent two hours in a movie and this is what Tom Cruise taught me and then I come to church and this is what my creator is teaching me. This is a terrible way to live. <laughs> Leave it for the movie, but not for me. I don't want this in my life. But let's be honest, we all struggle with it. And so often that's how I've lived my life. And if I were to bring my wife up here right now, she would tell you the very same thing. That my Google Calendar gets out of control. That sometimes I overbook and double book myself more often than I even want to admit. That because I want to be accessible to people and I never turn down an opportunity to meet with someone, that sometimes even my best intentions overwhelm and overtake me. That sometimes, believe it or not, I open a social media app and then all of a sudden I realize how much time I'm wasting and how sore my thumb is <laughs> from scrolling. And we go, wait a second, that's not what God created us for. He wants fellowship with us. He wants to, to speak into us and to breathe into us, and to bring us back to the foot of the cross and remind us of what he has done through his death and take us to the empty tomb and remind us again of what he has done when breath came back into his lungs and he took that first step out of that tomb and declared victory over sin, death, and the devil so that we don't have to live like this. I want you to think about this for a moment. <laughs> so I have these pastors who are friends that we spend more time sharing memes than we do actually text messaging each other. And on my five-year anniversary just a couple months ago, one of them sent me this <laughs> meme and said, welcome to the five-year club. And I was like, oh, wow, man. Here's the thing. Put yourself in this meme. Couples. Remember when you got married and you didn't have kids? <laughs> Remember when you could go on date nights whenever you wanted and spend all the money on yourself? <laughs> and then one of the two of you, or something happened and you decided to start bringing kids into the world? and your whole world rocked? How about some of you, you have two kids, and then you're like, you know, there's something missing. We're going to go ahead and have a third child. <laughs> and five years later, you're like, what happened to my life? How about those of you that maybe stepped out in faith and you started a business, and it looked really good at the beginning, and you knew that you were taking this chance, and you were putting it all on the line, and there was this new added stress, and now five years later, you're going, man, shoot, that might be me. Retired people, you're not getting out easy either. Isn't it amazing that every time someone retires and you meet up with them a few months later, in fact, I was just 
talking to someone last night that said they had just retired after decades of working. And I said, so how's it going? And you know what he said the very next thing? I am so busy. Oh, you do, it's so hard. I'm so busy. You know what I told him? You should go back to work. <laughs> Get your life back. And then you go, what are we doing? What are we doing to ourselves, folks? It's already the end of June. Some of you, you haven't even paused long enough in the month of June to take in a deep breath. What's a sabbatical? It's a nice churchy word. Sounds nice, doesn't it? This is what Rich read in the video. It provides a time of rest and spiritual renewal to avoid breakdown, burnout, and depression. And it's biblically based and designed to nourish the body, mind, and spirit. And that comes right out of our denomination, our district office in Ann Arbor. It's the official definition of a sabbatical. Here's the thing. This is what I would submit to you today. This isn't just for me. This is for you. I think our whole church needs to go on sabbatical this summer. What do you think? Are you on board? You've got to figure out in your life what you need to scale back. Maybe you have some projects that need to wait until next summer. Maybe you have some hills to climb or you have some things that you think that are so important that God's actually going to scale back so that he can spend time with you and you can spend time with him and he can breathe into you grace and peace and mercy and forgiveness. See, I don't know how it is for you, but this type A guy sometimes can be pretty stubborn. And sometimes it takes people coming around me and circumstances coming around me to speak to my, into my life over and over and over again to reveal actually what it is that God wants to do in my life. See, it's about four months ago. I was here at church with Adam, who is in the video as well. He heads up our personnel committee. And every year our staff goes through a formal review process where they all fill out a self-evaluation with their goals and, you know, how they felt that they accomplished them and how they're doing as a staff member here at Shepherd's Gate. Well, then their supervisors come alongside them and they'll write comments next to their comments on their evaluation form. And before they actually have their formal review, all of the supervisors will come and meet with Adam and myself. And so we'll have a marathon day. We just, every hour on the hour, we meet with all of the supervisors and they go through all of their direct reports. And that way, in one day, we have a snapshot of our entire staff. We know where everybody's at. We know, uh, you know, what, what issues need to be addressed and, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help support and encourage our staff. And so after this marathon day, we decided that we would go out to dinner uh, and have a drink. So we went to this restaurant and we were rejoicing, we were celebrating because this was the first year in a long, long time that there wasn't any issues on staff. Literally no issues. There was nothing that needed to be addressed. Everyone's firing on all cylinders. Everyone's doing a great job in their roles. And we we're just like, man, this is so good. God, your grace and your mercy upon our staff and all that we've been through these last couple of years. Thank you, God. And as we're sitting there, Adam says these words to me. So, have you thought about going on a sabbatical? I was like, no. I don't think, I just do. Sabbatical. <laughs> and I kid you not, he's, he's sitting in a booth and there's a wall here and I'm in a chair and there's a couple, two tables over to the left. And no sooner than the words come out of his mouth, 
then the lady that is sitting with her husband says, help me, help me. And I look over and her husband is hovering over the table and his head is about to hit the table. And I instantly pushed the chair back up and went, Adam, and Adam came out. I'm like, we got to call 911. And so Adam starts calling 911. And I go over to this complete stranger. Again, no medical experience. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I begin to massage this man's back violently. And I'm hitting his back, telling him not to die. And I said, what's his name? And she says, his name's Dale. And I kept saying, Dale, 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 stay with us, stay with us, stay with us. Help is on the way, help is on the way. And he's going like this. And then all of a sudden, this is a big dude, by the way. His eyes come through, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to punch me. (laughs) And then he goes back down on the table. And he's just sitting there, and his wife starts crying. And she's like, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's like, he's got medical issues. No, I don't know. This is the first time that we've been out since COVID. And today is our anniversary. And this is just, oh, this is so awful and terrible. And as I'm sitting there continuing to massage and beat and massage and beat his back, She says, he is so stubborn. He's just like his father. He won't ever go to the doctor. So she has no idea. I'm like, you know, we're sitting there talking, talking. And she's just bawling. She's so frustrated. Till finally the incredible Shelby Township fire and EMT show up. Now everyone in the whole restaurant, you can imagine, is staring at this thing and Finally, we were able to, to, to get him to, you know, they're checking his vitals and whatever they did, they kind of got him to start breathing normally again because that was all part of it. He wasn't breathing normally. And he's kind of frustrated and he's really upset that we even called 911. He keeps telling his wife, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Until after they said, sir, we really need to take you to the hospital, he refused. And after they took off the stuff that they had on him, he got up and he went outside to smoke a cigarette. And his wife came over to Adam and I. She said, thank you. She goes, I don't know what to do. I really honestly don't know what to do. And I said, we're going to be praying for you and Dale. So sorry that this happened to you on your anniversary. So sorry this is the first time you've been out to a restaurant since COVID broke out. And we said, make sure that you do not let him drive your car. And if he passes out when you're on your way home, just go to the ER, go right to the front door, kick him out, shut the door, and call them and let them know that he's out on the front porch. (laughs) But when you know, as we sat back down at that table and Adam just looked across the table from me and began to smile, and was like, so, what do you think about going on a sabbatical? So this is what I do whenever there's situations that that require me to have to actually let go, to actually have to give up control, is I go see my counselor. And if you've never seen a Christian counselor and you're going through a situation in your life, can I just tell you Christian counselors are are a blessing from the Lord? That you can go and you can divulge things and put things in front of them and that even in the most awful situations or even in the most tense situations or stressful situations they have this uncanny ability to take and disorganize your thoughts and to help you process and to accept things and so I went and I saw my counselor Dennis this is him here I love this guy if any of you 
need to go see a counselor. I will give you his number, his contact information. He has been a huge blessing to me. In fact, the last time that I saw Dennis was five years ago when we, we were in the early process of whether I was going to become the lead pastor of Shepherd's Gate or not. And I met with him for months, and he really, truly helped me put my head on straight and understand what I was doing. And to be honest with you, it's actually been a mistake that I haven't gone back and seen him. That it took five years and it took this to get me back into his office. And I show you this picture because this is a guy who was a, a police detective for 24 years. So he's seen and he's heard and witnessed some pretty horrific things. This is a guy that also has seven children. So when I come in bellyaching about my two, you know what I mean? He's also a dad who coaches his kids' baseball teams. And if you'll allow me, I'll just share a little bit of what he shared with me. So as I'm in there, and he said, why are you here? And I said, well, they're encouraging me to go on a sabbatical, but I'm having a hard time accepting that because it's just, it's just hard for me. I don't, I don't, it, there's a fear in that. What does that look like? What does that mean? And he said, okay, well, tell me what's going on. I said, our church is doing great. Church is doing awesome. Record amount of baptisms this year. New members, people joining our church. We didn't just survive COVID. We're thriving these last couple of years. Financially, we're stable. He's like, so what's your problem? What, what, what's the issue? I said, I don't know. That's why I'm here. It's what you're for. <laughs> and then what they do is they dig a little bit deeper. And more truth comes out. Because I said, well, it's going to be the one member that says, oh, my company doesn't give me a sabbatical. Must be nice. Or the person that says, oh, that's, that's great. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, enjoy your three-month vacation. Or there must be something wrong with you. Or there must be something wrong with your marriage. Or there must be something wrong with your family. And he looks at me and he says, okay, so we have to work on your pride. And then we're going to work on your insecurity. And here's some scriptures that are going to help you do that. See how this guy gets in there? And he said, these, he said these things. He said, Tim, I want to teach you the three stages of climbing a mountain. Does anybody know the three stages of climbing a mountain? Ready for this? This is, this is so good. Some of you are going to be blessed by this today. This is free. I paid for this, but this is free for you. <laughs> you prepare for the climb. You climb. And you hit the top and you rest. Isn't that so profound? That is incredible. That is incredible advice. He said, people with your personality type and, and the driven people in our society, what they do is they go one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. They get their toe on the top, and as soon as their toe's on the top, they run back down and they try to find another problem to solve or another mountain to climb. And if the leadership of your church is telling you that you need a break, embrace it. Stop looking at rest as a negative thing. Start looking at it as a positive thing. Folks, listen to me. We all have to stop looking at rest as a negative thing and instead embracing a positive thing. And he says, as leader of that church, are you inviting people as you preach into the lifestyle that you're actually modeling and living? I was like, man, see you in five years. <laughs> right? good stuff. It's good stuff. God Almighty in His grace and His mercy never stops working on us. 
You ever seen this picture? Do any of you actually pull out the card on the airplane? <laughs> Just to reflect on this picture for a moment. Do you know that they won't take off until they've explained to people this really important rule? That you have to put your oxygen mask on first, and then you put on, if you have a child with you or an elderly person or somebody that you're assisting, then you put the oxygen mask on them. So let's start with the women in the room, okay? Ladies, with that maternal heart that the Lord has given you, if these things were to fall out in your airplane ride and you were sitting next to your child, would you put yours on first or you would, would you put your child's on first? Why? That's not the instructions. Why do they say that over and over again, and yet none of you are willing to actually follow the rules? That makes no sense. Do you see how we are just living a lie? We're like living in this crazy world. Men in the room, if those oxygen masks come out of the ceiling, which are you going to do? You're going to put yours on first, or you're going to put your child's on. Which one are you going to do? I. <laughs> That was mixed. <laughs> Some of you men, you're only saying that because you're next to your wife and you want to, don't worry, Johnny and Susie will be fine. Think of this. Think about how profound even this is. Something so simple and yet we fight against it. We fight against it. We fight against it because we don't want to let go of control. And Jesus comes along and he says these words. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Funny that the measurement in this passage that he picked is time. He could have picked anything to put in there, and he picked time because he knows that's our most valuable asset. Since you cannot do this very little thing, it's a really easy thing. When you're the creator of the world, I can add time, I can add space, I can do all sorts of stuff. You can't do this very little thing. Why do you worry about all of the rest? Why? He created us. He put the breath in our lungs. He knows all of our days. Man, what are we living for? What are we truly living for at the end of of the day. And I want to leave you with these encouraging words. It's a guy named Eugene Peterson who has a way of taking scripture and what he does is he kind of just personalizes it and he writes it in a way that just, you know, so often is able to connect with people. And so he took a passage where Jesus is actually teaching and he's talking about how God invites us into rest and that his, that his love and grace for us is what's best. And so I want you to hear these words. Jesus said, are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll actually recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and talk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How's that sound for the summer of 2022? 
Who wants to go on an adventure over the next couple of months of rest? Who's with me? Are you with me? Raise your hand if you're with me. Because this is what it's going to take. You have to let go. You have to let go. And so as we close this morning, will you take your hands and just put them in front of you like this? Realize these hands were created by God. That it was nails that were driven into Jesus' hands. That he poured out his blood and he did something for us that we couldn't do. And he doesn't need us to crawl up on the cross with him. He doesn't need our help. He's done it all for us. And so we, by faith, receive his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness so that we can let go and we can watch God at work in our lives. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, with our hands open toward heaven, God, we recognize so often the struggle to want to control our own destiny, to want to set our own paces, to want to accomplish so much in this life. Whether it's our kids, our grandkids, maybe we're frustrated with our adult kids, maybe it's our businesses or our places of employment or the people that we supervise, maybe it's our marriage. God, in all of it, you've placed it into our hands. And God, now we continue to keep those hands open to you. We thank you for your love and your grace and your forgiveness. God, would you give us the courage and the strength to let go. Spend that time with you. And to watch and to see what it is that you're able to do in our lives and restore our hearts. God, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for this incredible church. We know, God, that you're at work. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's most holy and precious name we pray. Amen.